0: Please stand and let's honor the reading of God's Word. We'll focus on a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus today. John writes, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, shout born again, born again. you cannot see, shall see, see, the kingdom of God. Everybody say amen. So if you're joining us for the first time, as I've stated, our series uh, is really on the opportunity that exists in transition. And the big idea, I'll just say it a little differently as we've been uh, talking about it every week, uh, is that navigating, learning to navigate the transitions in our lives can actually be a game changer, everybody shout game changer, uh, in how we live and in our faith. On last week, we, uh, we, we reflected on Jesus as he initiated a major transition in his life, as he transitioned from private life to public life, and we found him in the the wilderness of temptation, as the Bible calls it, for 40 days. And there he reminded us, first of all, that every transition has an ending. But secondly, every transition has a, what I call the middle passage, or what I called last weekend, the space in between. Everybody shout, the space in between. He tells us, he taught us that, 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 that there should be some space in between graduating from college and launching the new career for us to reflect and do some work. There should be some space in between, if you will, uh, between uh, having the wedding and actually building the marriage. There's some space in between actually to do some substantive work. Uh, for for the, the, the student who graduates with a college degree or graduate degree, and comes back home to live with their family, uh, and because of the cost of living, or to save up some money, or because of a, a divorce in your life, uh, you're in that space in between. And how you navigate that space in between can be a game changer. And today, Jesus teaches us uh, as we look at this, uh, the, the 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 Gospel of John, chapter three, that. In that space, in between, is also where new beginnings take place. And embedded in every new beginning, I think, uh, are moments of rebirth. And Jesus would also teach us that in that space, uh, in between, is where we find ourselves being born again. Everybody shout born again. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is to take whatever your theological thinking about the word born again, I'm going to kind of ask you just to set that to the side. When we hear that word, some of us, if we've been in the church a long time, uh, we think about it in terms of the litmus test that one part of the church kind of imposes on the other part of the church. Like, I know you're going to church, but have you been born again? Or we think about it in a very positive sense, that, that this is the moment that new life exploded for me, uh, and I've, I've never been the same ever again. Or, we find ourselves not really quite sure what we think about it, uh, but, but you know, it, it, it triggers different feelings uh, in us. So whatever your, if you do, have a theological or association with the word "born again. I'm going to ask you to set it aside, whatever you think you know about it, so that God might speak to all of us afresh today. If you do that, say amen. 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 All right. Awesome. Okay. So, Jesus is actually helping Nicodemus to go through a major transition in his life. And it is a transition of faith. And if we put verse 1 on the screen, uh, John wants us to be clear about how this kind of tracks itself out. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader. So he has faith. As a matter of fact, he's the leader of the Jewish community. He sits on the Sanhedrin council, uh, and he is also a Pharisee. Everybody shout Pharisee, which means that he's he's like the person who has a Ph.D., In Jewish law, he understands faith through the lens of being a Jewish leader. Next verse. Now, John sets up the transition that he's facing, that he's struggling with. Since after dark one evening, Nicodemus comes to speak with Jesus by night, actually. He doesn't want any of his colleagues to know he's going to talk to Jesus. Because he's seen some stuff about Jesus that has captured his attention. And draws him to him. And so he begins with this word, Rabbi, which is Nicodemus' way of saying, Jesus, I'm just going to acknowledge up front that that clearly you have the credentials of one of our greatest Jewish teachers, Rabbi, he says. We all know that God has sent you. Everybody say, God has sent you. He sent you to teach us. So you're a great teacher. And obviously, God has sent you. And your miraculous signs, the signs that's happening around you, feeding the hungry and walking on water and raising the dead, those miraculous signs, they are evidence that God is with you. Everybody say God is with you. So what Nicodemus is saying is: I know you're a teacher. I know that God has sent you. I know that God is with you. But I don't think you are God. It's a theological distinction that's taken place. So for us, the understanding is that Jesus is fully human and he's fully God. Fullest revelation of God in our context. I like to say he's God in the neighborhood. Right. So what Jesus then responds, he's essentially saying, you're at the tippy-toe edge of a major transition. In faith. And, and whatever your transition is, most times, transitions are hard. And so, Jesus responds, verse 3, and I think it's a soft response. He says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. In other words, just I want you to draw close. I want, to, I want you to really hear me, Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, everybody shout, born again. You cannot see... The kingdom of God. Now this notion of being born again, if you actually take it in its original context of the word again, uh, can translate to being born from above. And if you're reading this in the Greek, the tense of the Greek is to be born again and again and again and again and again. That's just one moment. So what I want to suggest today is that Jesus is giving to Nicodemus an invitation. He's inviting Nicodemus to open his mind and open his heart and consider walking into a relationship with Jesus to believe that Jesus is who he says he is in a way that would literally transform Nicodemus's understanding of himself. Right? Shout, born again. again. But at the same time, it is also what I want to call a life metaphor to suggest... That those of us who are living through life, we're going from one transition to the next over the course of our lives and inside of those transitions, there are opportunities for us to be born anew, to discover new parts of who we are in ways that are shocking, to to, to re-understand our identity, etc. Now... Let me uh, back into it this way with a story from Bill Hybels. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was at the, the conference, a, a GLS conference, and some of you may not know who Bill Hybels is. He's a he's a pastor who's been pastoring for forty years. His church is Willow Creek uh, Church. It's about I don't know twenty thousand people. Uh, it started off in a theater very non-conventional, unconventional, uh, you know, uh, it, it looked and felt very much like what we do today, practical teaching, you can dress like, dress down, all that kind of stuff, but in that day, when it started 40 years ago, that was just non unconventional. And so God blessed that, and so he's been doing this for 40 years, and for the last several couple of years, they've been working on transition, and he's been leading the transition as he's transitioning out of being senior pastor of this church and they're going to look for his replacement. And so he's been working on this for two or three years. And he said though that uh, not too long ago in a time of quiet where his life had slowed down, he heard the Lord say to him, uh, he heard the whisper of God just in his conscience essentially said your season at Willow Creek Is coming to an end. Well, you would think he's been fully involved in this. Of course, he knows he's been trying to plan, plan, lead the transition process for two or three years. But he says in that very moment that while he was leading the transition process, that on the inside, he had not really come to terms with the fact that his season was coming to an end. And it hit him for the first time. And you can imagine the grief that he experienced, right? Uh, the grief that I've been doing this for 40 years. I, I started with 15, 20 people, and now we're, we're 15, 20,000 people setting the standards, and, and this is all I've been doing with my life. And, 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 and the grief of losing that. Endings. And I'm sure there was fear, right? The fear is like, well, if my season's coming in, what's next? Am I going to die? Or do I just go sit in a rocking chair somewhere and rock? Then he said, he remembered. Everybody shout, remember. And he remembered that at the age of 16 years old, he was intending to go to college, uh, graduate with a big degree, earn lots of money, be a part of corporate America. But at age, uh, in his teenage years, He had an encounter with the same Jesus that Nicodemus had an encounter with. He believed that Jesus was who he said that he was. And he surrendered the totality of the rest of his life to this Jesus. And then in surrendering his life, he essentially gave Jesus permission to write a new beginning for the next stage of his life. And from that point forward, Willow was born 40 years later, When he looks at the last 40 years, he's totally shocked at the narrative that Jesus has written for his life. Now, here's the insight. I think that as a believer, or not a believer, that one of the distinctions is, is around the question, as we're working on that in-between space, who's going to write the next new beginning for your life? If, 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 you're, if you don't know God, then you, you simply will assume responsibility as your responsibility to write that next new beginning. But if, in fact, you've, kind of, you've surrendered your life to, to God, especially as he has revealed himself to, to us in Jesus, is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, then what Jesus is saying, I'll write the new beginning. And each time Jesus writes a new beginning, after an old ending, it's an opportunity for us to be born anew, which is another way of translating to be born from above, or to be born again. Everybody shout, "Born again!" Born again. So, how does this look? <clears throat> if I invite Jesus to be active in writing an old ending, write my ending. That's what He's going with, Bill. Help me to end well. Then take charge with writing A New Beginning. And what Bill said is, watch this, that when he realized that Jesus had surprised him with what he wrote over the last 40 years, he had grief, he had fear, but he could also have great anticipation. Couldn't wait to see what he was going to write for the next season of his life. New Beginnings. So how does it look when God is writing new beginnings for us? Well, one of the ways it looks, uh, one of the things that you can look for is redemption. Everybody shout redemption. The work of redemption. That, that, is, that is God taking something that is broken and, and restoring it. He's taking something that is lost and helping to discover, he's taking something that is tragic, and he's redefining it and bringing a sense of hope and triumph out of it. It's, it's God working among and within the brokenness of life to surprisingly transform it. Redemption, redemption. Here's 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 a great story of how. Well, first of all, let's look at it in the text. That running beneath this passage is this notion of of redemption. Uh, in verse uh, 14 put verse 14 and 15 up there you'll see uh, where, where John, Jesus says as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up and he's reminding, he's using the image of when people were dying in the wilderness uh, God told Moses to lift up this bronze snake and everyone who looked at the bronze snake was essentially saying I'm casting my lot with the God of Moses, and they found salvation. They were, they were, they were, they were rescued out of that death place. And he's saying that the Son of Man, that's him, when I'm lifted up on the cross, dying for, on behalf of the, of, of the sins of the world, that if you will look at me, you'll find one who is saving and rescuing you. Next verse, look at the next verse. So that everyone who believes in him will have this new life called eternal life. Next verse. Uh, Everybody shout, redemption. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that that everyone, come on, shout everyone. everyone. Tell the person next to you, that includes you. Tell them. Come on, come on, shout everyone. Come on, tell the other person, that includes me. Come on, come on. Yeah, you are part of the everyone. Everyone who believes in him, who put their faith and trust in him will not perish, will not be overtaken by the brokenness of life, right? But will have eternal life, life that will go on with no end. And then here comes the next verse, my favorite verse. Listen to this. For God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, not to tell you how horrible you are, but to what? Save, rescue, redeem the world. Come on now. Through himself. So this is a reminder that the God that we meet in Jesus is always at work among and within the brokenness of life, working redemption, if we will believe, we can see. Even in Charlottesville, Virginia, right? Despite all the brokenness and all of the ugliness, those of us who know Jesus knows that he is even at work there driving redemption. Isn't that good news? Come on, give God a hand in praise. Come on. So, redemption is one thing that I start looking for. To see, is he writing? I see redemption. One of my favorite new comedians is uh, Michael Jr. He's, those of you who went to GLS, you, you got to hear him. He's a very popular Christian. Community. He loves. He's a follower of Jesus, and I've liked. I've just kind of grown in how I like him. and And a couple of nights ago, I got my family together. I said, "Look, we went to YouTube, and we had a Michael Jr. watching party. and And yes, he was just. We just had a great time. Well, while I watched him, I learned some things about him I didn't know. And the first thing I learned about him, which was pretty impressive and, and insightful, was that as a kid. And he shares this in his monologue, that as a kid, he had a hard time learning to read. And the reason he had a hard time learning to read was that he had something going on in his audio that made uh, sounds hard for him to hear. And so he could not sound out words. So he had to develop the memory that would allow him to memorize and learn hundreds and hundreds of words... And so as he would start to read, when he would come across a word he didn't quite know, he would look at that word in a variety of different ways, flip that word up and down and around and round, and based on what he could observe, figure out what that word was and would keep reading. And the older he got, the better he became at that experience of looking at things, flipping it around and figuring out what that word was. He could do it quicker and quicker and quicker. It was, self, it was a number of years later... He's already built his career. When he looked back and realized that that very process of trying to figure out what that word is by flipping it in his mind and looking at it from a number of different ways actually shaped within him a capacity to do the same thing and that is at the very basis of how he does comedy. Because he does comedy comedy that is based on observation. And so his ability to look at something and see it in ways that we don't naturally see it allows him to set up a comedy uh, theme and then, as he say, deliver the punchline, take you right back in another direction. He's able to see what other people can't see. As one example of that, uh, he told us this joke. I love it. He said he was in the mall one day, and he saw a guy walking in the mall, mall had written on his shirt, if you don't speak English, go back home. And, and, you know, the guy's walking in the mall, right? So everybody's watching this, looking at it. Michael Jr. says when he saw it, the immediate observation that he made was that... <laughs> It was written in English. <laughs> so <laughs> he walks up to the guy and he says to the guy, You're a dummy. <laughs> but he said it in Spanish. <laughs> Obviously, the guy didn't get it. <laughs> Shout, observation. Go back to verse 3. If you go back to verse 3, here's what Jesus is saying, that there's a work that the Holy Spirit does in us, right? He says, "He says, you can't be born again uh, 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 unless you're born again. You cannot see. Everybody shall see. The word actually means to perceive, to see what other folk can't see, right? That you're in the kingdom and the king is standing right there, but, but, but you can't see him. The kingdom of God. So when Michael looks back at his life, he actually sees how God took the very thing that made him him the source of being the target of being teased, the very thing that made him be filled with shame, the very thing that, that was the definition of his disability growing up, the very thing God works within that very broken thing. And redeems it so that out of it comes a gift that now drives his career. So what does that tell you about the Jesus who says, if i be lifted up? What does that tell you about this God who works? This is what he says. Michael, he didn't realize this overnight. It took him some time. In reflection, he looked back and said, wow. Jesus was working all alone. And when he realized that Jesus was always working back then, he now knows. Now, in my brokenness, Jesus is always working. Give God a hand, praise. That's just yes. what else do I look for? Well, I want you to say this word. Repeat this word. Shout engage, engage reflect. reflect. Say it again. Engage. engage reflect. reflect. Embedded in this passage is this notion that as the Holy Spirit works in us, that that there is this this this, you know, Nicodemus goes to Jesus after dark, when things have slowed down, when he can have a quiet conversation. So it's this notion of, of engaging life and then slowing down to reflect that this should be a rhythm in how we live, especially when we're trying to work through that in between space. And 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 you know, we see it in the Sabbath principle: six days you work, seventh day you rest. This notion of slowing down so you can hear so God can show you slowing down to pay attention to how God shows you stuff about your life everybody shout engage 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 life go do life shout "Reflect." reflect slow down slow down find that rhythm and when you do you open yourself you present yourself Position yourself for revelation. That's another place where God drives new beginnings in our lives. Revelation. Now, while I was at the GLS, I, I, I heard uh, an insight that I think is the best definition for creativity that I've ever heard. And here's, here's the insight. It says creativity essentially is revelation, right? Here's, here's how the guy talked about it. He says, creativity is not creating something new. It's taking two, oftentimes, it's taking two already existing things and connecting them in new ways. Everybody shout connect. For example, uh, uh, Steve Jobs did not create the telephone. Did y'all know that? (laughs) The younger generation may not know that. He did not create the telephone. (laughs) Neither did Steve Jobs create the camera. Both of these things existed long before there was a Steve Jobs. But what he did was he took these two existing things And he connected them in an entirely new way. And voila, we have the iPhone and all the other phones that have modeled after him. Everybody shout iPhone. I just wanted to hear you say it, it's really nice. There are moments of revelation that literally transforms the paradigms by which we live. Transforms, so transforms how we understand who we are in the world that it's fair to say that we've been, in a sense, born again. All right, let's go back to uh, Michael Jr.'s life. He had been living a long time before he realized. He knew that he had the disability. He knew that. He grew up. He understood that. He knew that he had a gift for observations. But there was that moment when the knowledge of the disability that he had in childhood and the knowledge of the gift that he currently had that he was able to make the connection that in fact it was God who worked through the disability, to give him his current gift, shall connection, and with that connection came a powerful revelation that, in fact, what he has is a gift. And what do you do with gifts? Well, you can use your gift to get, or you can use your gift to give. And Michael says that when he realizes. He started to rethink. He said, so what am I doing on the stage? And before he had that revelation, he used his gift to get laughs. It was about getting. After that revelation, he began to think, what would it be like for me to use my gift to create an opportunity for others to laugh, to become a giver? He said the moment he made that shift in his mind, he left a nightclub uh, uh, performing, he walked out, he saw a homeless guy that was there. He had been performing in this place for all week. And he walked out, he said, this is my first time seeing the homeless guy, not because the homeless guy hadn't been there, but because of the shift in his perception, he was able to see what he had been missing. And then he asked himself the question, everybody shout, giving. He asked himself the question, what would it mean for me? What would it be like for me to create an opportunity for this homeless guy to laugh? And out of that was born his, his, his current sense of mission. When he goes to a city to do a big performance, Before he does the performance, he always goes to a homeless shelter or to a prison or to an orphanage. And he he performs first there, creating an opportunity for people to laugh. Yeah, he told a story about he was in one prison. Prison was packed. And I know this. I used to teach in the prison. I was uh, for the University of Arkansas uh, I taught in prison, and, and you go through layers of doors locking behind you. And after about the third layer, you start thinking, like, Lord, am I going to get out of here? <laughs> and it's electronic. You're like, what if the electricity goes off? <laughs> so anyway, he's, 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 he's uh, you know, he, part of his routine is he, he talks to the people, and he gets them to give them his name and so forth and so on. And he, and he, and he, and he kind of, uh, you know, generates material for of them. So there's a guy sitting on the front row. Had a long beard, and he asked the guy, What's your name? And the guy said, Moses. And so he said, just in a flash out of that gift. He said, Moses? He said, Yes. He said, All right, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to look to the back. There's the warden. I want you to look dead in the warden's eyes. And I want you to just repeat after me. Warden, let my people go. <laughs> And just what you just did, the whole place exploded in electrifying laughter. And suddenly these prisoners who didn't know that they had a reason to get up in the morning, these prisoners who was trying to find some sense of purpose, these prisoners who said, I don't really have anything to laugh about. I have no joy in my life. Suddenly they discovered joy, that they mattered, that they were important. What's the chief paradigm of your life? With your kids? On your job? How do you use your gifts? The gift of time? Is it about what you can get? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend? Is it really about what you can get? What do you hear yourself mostly saying? Are you using it primarily to give? To create an opportunity to serve others? That's why we always invite people into serving here because there's a part of understanding who God is that you just can't get to unless you have a shift in your paradigm to begin to serve. Because John 3 16, as we already read, said, For God so loved us that he didn't say he got. Did he say he got? No, he so loved us, he what? He, he, there's a part of knowing God that you just can't get to until you learn how to be a giver. And when you transform from being a getter to being a giver, you've been born again. So here's where we are end the- Sometimes redemption comes. Sometimes it's revelation. The point is, if you invite God to write the new beginning in your life, you'll see those. And sometimes you'll see them together. Because in the in the in the in the Gospel of John here, really it's redemption and revelations together. That's what's going on in Jesus' dialogue with Nicodemus. He's saying, I want to redeem you, Nicodemus. But you've got to have a revelation. And, 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 and this process of getting revelation is kind of like the process of birthing. It's kind of messy. It's, uh, you don't control it. Uh, God controls it. Verse 6, he says that human beings reproduce human beings, but only the Holy Spirit uh, 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 gives birth to the Spirit. God conceives it. God plays all kinds of roles in our being born again. I mean, God is the one who conceives the perception, the opening of our mind. And then God becomes the midwife. Come on. And then God is a, is a, becomes the womb through which the development and transformation takes place. And then God is the doctor to make sure that the birth is, is, is happening right on time and when you show up and I show up we are vulnerable and we are naked and God is there to nurture and to care for us you must be born again and again and again come to this place of naked vulnerability allows God to show you who he is And to show you who he's calling you to become. Again. One final example of this is Eleanor Roosevelt Here's the story. At the age of 35, somewhere therein, her life was shattered. And she found out that her husband Franklin, who would ultimately become president, was having an affair with her best friend. She was devastated. She came this close to taking her life. But somewhere as she clawed her way through the darkness, the difficulty of transition in that in-between space. she discovered a revelation that she could be more independent of this man than what she had been. And when she created some independent space. She then discovered that God had made her with a certain gifting and a certain power and a certain influence. And that while she decided she wouldn't leave him, she decided, if I'm going to be with him, come on now, that as he elevates, I'll use the influence to do what only Eleanor can do. And that all happened right in the midst of brokenness. The redemption and the revelation came And in that horrible space, she was born anew. So here's here's where we end. Let's end where Nicodemus ended. Put verse 1 up. Verse 1 tells us this. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. But by the time Jesus actually dies on the cross, the same gospel writer tells us that this man, Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, was no longer defined as a Pharisee, but he had made the transition and he was defined as a follower of Jesus. (laughs) And So he got his own tomb, paid what needs to be paid, Put Jesus in the tomb. And it's from that tomb, three days later, the one who was dead got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. And it is that one that says that if you will invest your life in my hands, there'll be old endings and new beginnings and old endings and new beginnings. And one day you're going to run out of life on the planet but you won't run out of life because i've given you life eternal and that is the ultimate new beginning i will write that story give god a hand praise